Most people start out in life, they're eager to fulfill their dream. We make our plans and we chart a course toward our goals. This probably sounds familiar to you college students and those in school, but this is no different for any of us. Sometimes we change directions in life and we might have that childlike enthusiasm as we embark on a new career path uh, uh, unexpectedly, but enthusiastically. But we make our plans and we chart our course toward our goals. But unpredictable storms blow in and take us off course. Some storms are widespread, like the stock market crash or collapse of 2008, or the recent pandemic, as it's called. Other storms are very personal, like sickness, a hostile work environment, or the sudden loss of a loved one. We get bruised and we become battle weary, but often we arrive at our destination, but not in the way that we planned. Paul was a man. Paul had a dream and a plan to minister God's word in the capital of the world, Rome. In the opening of his letter to the Romans, Paul expressed his longing to see them and his earnest desire and eagerness to preach the gospel there. Paul eventually made it to Rome, but probably not the way he would have chosen or even imagined. First came Paul's arrest in Jerusalem and a two-year prison sentence. After uh, the two years in Caesarea, Paul was put upon a, a prison ship and bound toward Rome as a prisoner. It was tough going from the start. The weather was choppy. There were indications that it was only going to get worse. And Paul tried to warn them. Paul tried to warn them, and uh, they ignored his warning. So they sailed into the storm, and we pick up the story in Acts chapter 27 and uh, verse 13. All stand with me, please, and let's honor God in the reading of his word. Acts chapter 27, starting with verse 13, I have good news for you this morning. God's word tells us how to navigate the storms of life. And because he's for us, we will navigate the storms of life. Acts chapter 27, beginning in verse 13. I will be using predominantly the New Living Translation today. Follow me in whatever translation you're using. When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. So they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly, and a wind of typhoon strength called the Northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. We sailed along the sheltered side of a small island named Cauda, where, with great difficulty, we hosted aboard the lifeboat 
being towed behind us. Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. They were afraid of being driven across the sandbars of Syrtis off the African coast. So they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship and were driven before the wind. The next day, a gale force, the gale force winds continued to batter the ship. The crew began throwing cargo overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. But take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. And all God's people say, amen. amen. And you may be seated. It's kind of hard to say amen right after you will be shipwrecked on an island. But we do know how the story ends, right? Yeah, all right. We can navigate life storms, but it's important for us to understand the foundation. And that foundation, before we know how and can commit ourselves to God's word and give ourselves over to trusting God, we have to get one thing straight. God allows the storms of life. God allows the storms of life. I didn't say that God condoned the storms of life. It's not in his ideal for man. It's not in his perfect will for us. But God allows the storms to come. And yes, the Bible teaches that God can bring on a storm. If anyone can bring on a storm, God can bring it on like nobody. And he has used storms for correction. And he's brought tribulation on entire nations because of their idolatry and their cruelty and their mass perversions. Need I say, Sodom and Gomorrah? What about the plagues of Egypt? Surely that was God's mighty hand in doing. And even his own people, Israel and Judah, exiled for gross idolatry and gross disobedience to God. But the vast majority of life's storms trace their roots to the fall in the Garden of Eden. The vast majority of life's storms trace their roots to Satan who comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But the enemy in this, as horrific as it was, the enemy 
Yeah, he took pleasure. He's the devil. He took, he took pleasure in the howling winds. And he took pleasure in the fear that he placed in the hearts of everyone aboard that ship. He took pleasure when they started putting their cargo off to the side. But that wasn't what he was after. Although he took pleasure in those things, he was after a different cargo. He was after the cargo that Paul carried in his spirit. He was after the word of God that Paul had planted in his heart. And he was after the gospel that Paul was going to preach in the capital of the world. That's the cargo that Satan was after. Everyone else just happened to be getting in the way. Can I get the volume just a little bit lower, guys? How precious is the cargo that we carry? You've got a storm. I've got a storm because we have cargo that causes the enemy severe damage. A house divided against itself can't stand, and a house that's bombasted by the gospel of Jesus Christ cannot stand. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the power of the gospel is the power of salvation against any storm. It completely undoes, unravels the devil. It short circuits his plan, but he's going to howl. And he's going to blow. And he's going to continue to do these things. He howls and blows. He gives us financial hardship. This man's had it. I've had financial hardship. A storm blew in on me called alcoholism. I've navigated that storm, praise God, and been delivered, and I'm standing on solid ground. There's a storm called deception where you say, all I need to do is be good, but God is holy. God is holy. And there's a storm going on right now that's telling people all around the world, as long as you're a moral person, it's going to be okay. The minute, the minute that you had one immoral thought, it was done. There is no good enough for God. There's only Jesus Christ. There's only Jesus Christ. But the storms are going to come. And the storms are going to batter you because of the cargo that you carry inside you. I know where I stand. God's Holy Spirit is in me. And He testifies with me. You belong to me. The devil doesn't want me to tell anyone that. So he's going to howl and blow against me to keep me quiet. Or he's going to make it look like I say one thing, but it's really the other way. But I'm going to live in my victory and my power. I don't care how it looks to the rest of, of the world if I look as though I'm weak because I'm appealing to God in Jesus Christ. They don't understand the power of God is wrapped in love. The power of God is wrapped... Precious is the cargo that you carry. And your enemy is going to try to shake it out of you. But that's not all of the story. Here on earth, Jesus said, you will have sorrows. But the, but the end of the story is, take heart. Because I have overcome 
the world. Hand clap for Jesus. We carry that cargo and the gospel. You know, there's a present storm today. There's a present storm that's a political storm. There's a morality storm going on. And we will navigate these storms because the world around us has been overcome by the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let go of your cargo. But that's the foundation. And it only gets better from here. It's only going to get better from here. When God allows you to go to the storm, it's only because God is present with you in the storm. He's not going to let you go in the storm alone. Isaiah 43, 1 and 2 says, Don't be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. It goes on to say in the next verse, And the fires, when you pass through the fires, they will not hurt you. And then we have Paul. Paul with his precious cargo, and he's facing a storm of historic proportions. And he says, and this is what happened to Paul. This is Paul's experience. Acts 27, 23, and 24. For last night an angel of the God to whom I belong stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid. God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. I'm going to say something that sounds a bit awkward, but try to follow me. Paul had a word from God. How many believe it? Paul had a word from God. That's good. That's exactly what I'm showing on the screen. I say Paul had a word from God before he had a word from God. Because Paul knew Isaiah, the prophet. Paul knew that Isaiah said, that God said in the prophetic word, don't be afraid for I have ransomed you. So Paul had a word, then he got another word. Amen. Who said confirmation? Confirmation and affirmation. Look at the screen, Elliot. That's exactly my point. Look how consistent, look how consistent that, that Paul's experience is with what Paul believed was going to happen. See, Paul knew the word of Isaiah. Paul had it written in his heart. Paul, Paul nourished himself on it. Paul's in a storm. Where do you think his mind has gone? It's gone to the word of God because he trusts God. And this is what God said. But look at how, how similar Paul received what Paul believed and what Paul professed. In yellow, don't be afraid. In Acts, don't be afraid. In red, I will, he called you by name. He said, Paul, you are mine, the God to whom I belong. I will be with you. He stood beside me. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. God will not send you to the storm if God's not going to be present. But if he sends a storm and if he lets a storm come, he only does it because he's present with you 
in the storm. Sometimes God calls you, not just allowing the storm to come, but sometimes God calls you into the storm. As the Israelites had been exiled, uh, they spent the 40 years for their unbelief in the desert. And now they're standing on the precipice of the Holy Land. They'd already failed to go in once. Praise God, he's a God of second chance. They get a second chance now. They're not going to blow it this time. But Moses can't go. Joshua's going to take him in. And in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 7 and 8, we see that story. Then Moses called for Joshua, and as all Israel watched, the entire nation, we're in seven digits, millions, the entire nation, be strong and courageous, for you will lead these people into the land the Lord swore to their ancestors he would give them. That's a storm called warfare. That's a storm called warfare. And you're nomads. Be strong and courageous. You are the one who will divide it among them as their grants of land. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally, personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. God is with you in your storm. God will never permit you to go to the storm alone. God is present with you. And he's not just only present. He's very present. He's super present. He's abundant present. He's mega present. Not just with you today and every day, but especially when he sends you into a storm. God is present with you. You are not alone. What are you going through today? What are you going through today? Do you have a hostile work environment? Has someone persecuted you for your faith? Did you get a diagnosis? Whatever it is, God loves you. He's got his eye on you. You're the apple of his eye. You're his treasure. And he's with you. He's beside you. And he's all around you. And he loves you. And he will navigate you through this storm. He will navigate you through this storm. Praise God. Storms reveal your faith and your trust in God's promise. If God uh, called you into a storm, it's for the refining of your faith. Faith comes from our belief system and our belief system is a permanent system within us. Faith and beliefs, they come from a nudging, but they often arrive in an instant. Faith and belief, aha moments, aha, I see it now, right? How precious did that grace appear the hour I first Believe. Believe. It's a decision, and it can be instantaneous. But trust. Trust often takes a little longer. It usually requires some time and a consistent experience in a relationship. 
I can have faith and believe and I'm transmuted into the kingdom of heaven just like that. God will not forsake me. But I got to learn to trust him by having a relationship with him. If I never have an experience with God, how will I know what God is capable of doing in my life? He has to give me an experience. And if I have to to be victorious because he says I'm victorious, maybe I can warm up on on getting something to be victorious over. He uses it to refine us because he loves us. Faith and trust go beyond mere belief. The devil both believes in God and he knows firsthand of God's mighty power. But then there's trust and there's faith. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-7 through 7 says, Be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show your faith to be genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than gold. James said, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. The red text shows how consistent God's word is. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Yes, that's exactly how I want to be. I want to be perfect and complete. I can't do it by myself, but I can. If God says I can, I can get through. And if God says I'm his righteousness, then I'm his righteousness. Who am I to argue with God? We we can make it through the perfecting. Jesus' rod and his staff, they comfort us. He loves us. He's not only present, he's merely present. It may be rough for a while. No storm is going to be pleasant for us. But we're being perfected and we can stand the perfecting because and only because of Jesus Christ. We can stand the testing and we can stand the trials because as we're being perfected, it's because we can rely on the perfect peace that Jesus provides us amid the chaos. His peace has been perfected so that we can endure while we are being perfected. In John 14, 27, Jesus said, Jesus said, I am giving you a gift. It is a peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or, or afraid. Jesus said, 
I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. This is the Amplified Classic Version. That you may have perfect peace and confidence. Jesus said that he told us these things ahead of time for our trials that we would have perfect peace. But the prophet said, the prophet said, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose eyes are fixed on you. Amen. 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 Craig Hagen, his grandson of Ken Hagen, son of Kenneth W. Hagen at the Rima Bible Training Center. I saw an article uh, in the September edition of their magazine, and, and Craig had the following to say. He says that many Christians have gotten hold of God's will to heal and prosper us, but many haven't grasped that Jesus wants us to have peace. You can be completely healed and prospered and not have peace and be miserable. But you can have storms and trials, but with the peace of Jesus Christ, you can be joyful. I'm picking Jesus and the peace of Jesus and joy over my circumstances. Craig Hagen also said, if we don't have peace, we must be back in Christ and in tune with God's word. And we need to remind ourselves of what belongs to us as God's children. Oh, what a good word that Craig has there. He goes on to say this. He goes on to say that in the final moments when Jesus hung on the cross, he cried out, it is finished. Those words tell your storm who's the boss. Those words tell the world who's in control. They tell the politicians that stir up the trouble and the hatred. Who's in control is Jesus Christ. You can blow and you can howl, but God has the final word. Jesus has the final word over your financial struggle. Jesus has the final word over your addiction. Jesus has the final word over your overbearing boss, and Jesus gets the final word in your spirit and in your body and in your soul. He has the final word on this present darkness that's fallen upon us, and we will navigate it because of the peace that Jesus Christ has provided for us, paves our way through all of the storms. You know, when, when Moses asked God, who shall I say is sending me? Well, who are you? What, what, what shall I say? God said, and I'm using the English Standard Version translation, God said, I am who I am. But as God's child, if someone asks you who you are, you can say, I'm, I'm, I'm like my father. My father is, I am who I am. And I'm his child. I am who he says I am. I am who he says I am. You know, the promise is greater than the pressure. And I have what God says I have. I have what God says I have. I am who God says I am. 
No evil will befall me because we are shielded in the blood and blanketed with the perfect peace of Jesus Christ. Jesus has the final word. In Mark chapter 4, verse 39, Jesus rebuked the storm. Peace. Be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. This is our model to follow in trials and tribulations of life. There's two kinds of word. This all come from God. There's the prophetic word, which is the fuel and the power. And then there's your declaration, which is the match that makes it explode. The prophetic word says, you shall walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. But when you proclaim it, it comes alive and it explodes and the power is released. And not only do you believe, but everybody, everybody in that perimeter has seen the effect of your faith because it was released with your declaration. And you only declare it because you believe it. It doesn't work like magic. You just can't chant a mantra. But when it's in your heart and when you've had it and it's engrafted in your heart and you let it go, it explodes with power. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen it with my own household. Samantha, I'm going to tell it. Now, I want you to notice, I'm going to tell, I've seen it with my own eyes in my own household. And I want to make sure that I tell it her way. So I talked to her yesterday. You know, it's funny when you interview your own wife for um, a, a, a sermon illustration, but facts, facts are facts. And these are her facts. So it was about maybe a year and a half ago. We were, we've been down to Gulf Shores on a tip from some friends of ours. And uh, we found that they like us there, so we just keep going back. And so the very first time, I'm pretty sure it was our first trip, we're going to Gulf Shores, Alabama, and we're excited. So we're so excited, we get up at like 4 in the morning. It's dark outside. And uh, man, we're just as happy as you can be. We had a plan. But absolutely had a plan. Get up early, just be down there before uh, 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. If we can get there, walk on the beach and just enjoy it. Praise God, right? We get on the interstate. You can tell how much I like driving on the interstate. Not. I absolutely hate it. But it's the best and fastest way when you're in the car. So we get on the interstate. And I live on the west side of town. So we're, we get on I-65 South and we got down around maybe about 200 south. And we could see, we couldn't tell because it was pitch black outside, but then we saw the lightning light the sky and it was dark. Not just because the sun wasn't up, but because these clouds were the big kind and they were the nasty kind. And we heard the first drop and before you knew it, this was the kind of rain that comes pouring down in sheets. And I'm on the interstate now with cars behind me, cars in front of me, white knuckles, in the storm, going our plan, but man, the the storm coming, God let me in it with my family. And uh, so the pressure's on, but the promise is greater than the pressure. 
It just wailed on us for about three or four minutes. We finally, speaking of whales, let's play on words, we got down to about Walesboro, <laughs> and Samantha did it. Samantha, with the word of God in her heart, looks up, raises a hand, and says, I command you to stop in the name of Jesus Christ. It stopped. It stopped. There was a little tickle, trink, 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 done. We're looking at the sky and we see the lightning, those still, those big clouds. Those clouds didn't go anywhere, but they had to become still because of the peace of Jesus Christ. So I have seen that with my own eyes. Jesus said in John 14, we do the same works he does, even greater works than these because he'd gone to the Father. I can assure you Jesus went to the Father because I've seen it. And that's just only one example. We hear people say, well, I don't see miracles. Why don't we see miracles? I don't know where you're looking. <laughs> I see them all the time. I might even go so far as to say I see miracles right out in front of me. Absolutely. Praise God today. Praise God. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. Love letter from Jesus. I treasure my love letters. Trusting God in God's deliverance. To navigate the life storm successfully, you have to know this. Trusting in God's deliverance does not exempt, excuse, or absolve us from playing an active role. Does not exempt, excuse, absolve us from playing an active role. called responsibility because you've built your house on the rock and you've navigated the storm and you standing on the rock who is our God and our Savior Jesus Christ you become a bedrock and a foundation for those that are caught in the storms around you they may be in the same storm with you and the, the winds howling but they see you're standing on a firm and solid foundation. And just like Paul in the storm began, hey, there's 276 people on this ship. No one's doing anything but throwing things off. Who's the boss here? God's the boss here. And I'm his representative. I am who I am. I am who God says I am. And I have God's word. I got to stand up and I got to speak it. And he said, I am sure that it will turn out just the way God promised that it will turn out. But you've got to run the ship aground. You've got to follow my instruction. Oh, there was a captain on board and there was a centurion on board. But who had the final word? God had the final word through Paul. Who's got the final word in your storm? Jesus Christ has the final word. Are you going to speak it? You have a responsibility to speak it. How precious is that cargo that we carry? 
That cargo is for the lost. That cargo is for those whose, whose faith is faltering. The cargo is for the sheep that fell into the pit. And the cargo is for the one that's lost and wandering and naked and cold and hungry and desperate. Desperate just to get to tomorrow. You have the answer. You're in control because God's in control. And because you believe in God and you're on His platform, you can stand and you can reach and you can pull others up to safety where you are. You have a responsibility. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress and my Savior. He is my shield, the power that saves me and my place of safety. I can tell you I... With all my heart, mind, and soul, I'm bought in. I've been through so many storms, and you have too. I'll never change my mind. A wild horse couldn't drag it out of me. I'm in. I'm all the way. I'm committed. I've wandered off in the past. I'm committed. Praise you, Lord God. Thank you for having me back. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jude, the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ, said, You must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. In Romans chapter 1, Paul spoke of his great sense of obligation to minister the word to the educated to the uneducated, to the saved and the unsaved, to the Greeks and the barbarians. We carry precious cargo and we are obligated to deliver it to those who desperately need it. Responsibility. Christina had posted on Facebook a few days ago, and that's for you, Christine, in case you think I don't read your posts. Be careful. So she posted something on responsibility, and I talked to her this morning and said, hey, you know, I'm going to use your name today, so don't be shocked. And, and uh, she said, well, the thing that you're going to read, J.R. Huff wrote this, and it's used in their school. Praise God, don't, aren't, aren't we just so blessed that we have a school where they teach a child how to think and not tell them what to think? Amen. Praise God. Yes, thank you. Thank you for all the, that, that are involved there. But they teach the, the kids this, and this is what she posted on Facebook. Responsibility. Responsibility. Think about that. It's the ability to choose your response. Highly proactive people recognize their responsibility. They do not blame circumstances, conditions, or conditioning for their behavior. Their behavior is a product of their own conscious choice based on values rather than a product of their conditions based on feelings. God said for me to share his word with you. I don't care if I don't feel like it. I'm going to do it. Amen. I don't care if I, if I don't get the goosebumps. I'm going to do it because I have an obligation I've been pulled out of so many storms, you would see I've had my pants on fire. Someone snatched me out. The least I can do is snatch them. And I don't have to work up an emotion to do that. I'm obedient to my God and my Savior, and that's why I do that. 
But you know what? When I obey him, the emotion comes. Oh, you can see. You all know me. I'm a crier. I have to get back there with my tissues. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with emotions. But they don't govern me and they don't rule over me. My God governs me and he rules over me. And his word governs me. And that's what rules over me. That's it. Praise God. Thank you, Lord God. And thank you for the Liberty Academy, for teaching our kids right from wrong. Said that make our decisions based on our values. You know, I will make it. You know what God values? He values every man, woman, and child that are created in his image. God wishes for none to perish, but for all to come to repentance. How can they come to repentance if they don't hear? And how can they hear if we don't take them the message? We have an obligation. Those of us have been snatched from the storm. Praise God, you can't control it. We receive the word. That's the cargo. And when we speak it, that's the port of delivery. Praise our Lord and God today. Last slide. The storm will reposition you and expand your territory for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It will reposition you. It'll take you to a new horizon. You're never in the same. You've had a new experience. You're tested. It builds your courage. It builds character. And it does more than that. God's the only one that really truly promotes you. You may think your boss does it, or you may think that society does it. You may think that you arrive, but you don't arrive unless God says you arrive. And when God promotes you, you're promoted indeed. Psalm 91. When you weather the storm, you weather it because you trust in God. And um, Psalm 91 is just a, it's a rich psalm and it's a rich word of God. And I would just say, if you want to be prepared for a storm, don't wait for the storm to start preparing. Memorize Psalm 91. Memorize it as you believe it and believe it as you memorize it. it and hang on to it for dear life. Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2, talk about the trusting relationship. Oh, we believe and we have faith, but we have to have a relationship with God to build our character and our experience and our trust and to receive our promotions. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High, praise God, will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare. What? I release this power right now. This I declare, he alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God. I trust him. That power is released. You can bet a storm is going to come try to knock it out of me, but come as you will. God's seen me through them all. God's seen me through them all. Then comes the honor and the promotion. Verse 14, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them 
my salvation. Praise your glorious name, Lord God and Heavenly Father. It's an honor, opportunity for elevation, earning a greater trust in the eyes of God and man and a respect from your co-workers and your family and from the community. And finally, the storm is an opportunity to expand new territory for God. Because as you saw in this text, Paul said, I believe it as God will save all of you will be saved. 276 souls, all of you will be saved. God expanded the territory for the sake of the lost. God will spare the many on account of the few. There were three faithful on board, Aristarchus, Luke, and Mark, and 273 people, probably not. How do you think they felt after Paul made his declaration? It came true. They're alive. How many people do you think were converted that day? Yeah, I, th I would say droves. And then you know what happened in Malta. How many times have we gone up, uh, down the runway, Don? I know you traveled the world for Cummins. And I've been on some of those same journeys. And they're, they're perilous. But... How many people are on those jumbos? 300? How many times has that plane taken off and gone down the runway and lifted up in the air because of the faithful few that sat there and the other 273 of them were spared because of the few faithful on that plane? How many times has the storm gone off into the countryside that would have plowed through a trailer park because of the faithful in that trailer park? God will spare the many because of the faithful few, because of their cargo. And they can unleash it. And the more people that are spared or the more people that can receive, thank you, God, for expanding our territory. We can do all things. There is not a weapon formed against us that will prosper. We can do all things through God, through Christ, who strengthens us. That which the enemy planned for evil... God will use it for good. God takes the enemy's plan and he turns it upside down. The storm will move us. The storm moves us to new horizons. And we take up new territory for God to whom we belong. And for the gospel of Jesus Christ, who is forever praised. Oh, I've been waiting for a hot mic to say the name of Jesus. I love saying the name of Jesus with a microphone. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Blessed Life Fellowship. For more teaching and ministry resources, go to the church website at www.blessedlifefellowship.org. Thanks for listening, and may God's grace and favor shine on you.